Well, hello, 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 everybody. Welcome back for a new year, a new time in Just Saying Sports. Uh, we are here for our first episode of 2019 after taking a bit of a holiday hiatus at the end of 2018. I know it's been quite a while since we have put out an episode, but with everything that's going on, the football season has ended, um, you know, uh, with both college and professional NFL playoffs are starting. The college football playoff is already underway. Um, a lot of good stuff over Christmas and New Year's, but we wanted to make sure we got right back on top of it in 2019 to make sure that we keep bringing you guys all the sports no- news and analysis that you may need coming into this new year. And I know, as always, you know, I'm joined by my prestigious co-host, Sean Dwyer. I guess you should say hello. How you doing? We... We are aiming to give you guys the best year of podcasting that we can, hoping to make sure that uh, we stay up on top of this all the time and uh, give you something to interact with and talk about uh, while you go throughout your week. So, you know, Sean, do you have a good holiday season? I know we got a new guest down in Indianapolis for you. I mean, how's the transition working out? Beautiful. It's been great. For those of you who don't know, Sean's beautiful, lovely girlfriend, Megan, moved down to Indianapolis with him, so they've been going through a bit of a transition. Another reason why we've had a little bit of a hiatus, because, you know, personal lives have kind of gotten in the way for a moment, but we're back, back in action, as always, and we are excited to be here. Uh, We are going to be talking about the NFL today. I know, kind of mentioned all the football seasons have ended, uh, but we're into the NFL playoffs, and that's kind of one of the bigger topics that we've talked about over the course of the year uh, with, you know, fantasy and, you know, just talking about what's going on throughout the season. So we wanted to make sure that we gave you guys kind of a season recap and a little bit of a look ahead into the playoffs and let you know who we think is going to make it to the end now that we're at this point. So without any further ado, we're going to dive right into the show here, Sean. You know, uh, we're going to start off talking about just some teams here and there, surprises, what went on, what happened, and we're going to touch on not everybody, but some of the, the bigger name teams that uh, really made some waves this year. So I want to start off with the Pittsburgh Steelers, Sean. We've gone back and forth over this over the year. Le'Veon didn't even want to sign his contract. They were up and down all season, looked like they were going to make a run and then kind of just completely fell apart, um, especially after, you know, the backup James Conner went down. It was kind of game over. But towards the end of the season, you know, Antonio Brown not even showing up for the last couple of practices of the last game. I mean, what went on in Pittsburgh this year that kind of made this entire empire start to crumble? Oh, I think it was a lot of things. I think Le'Veon Bell not being there for the season as admirably as James Conner filled in. Uh, he's not Le'Veon Bell. So, and he's not going to be able to give you the, as much production. I really don't know outside of that what, what really went on, you know. Ben led the league in passing. Um, Connor had, like I said, had a nice year. AB and Juju had kind of great seasons at wide receiver. And I think, in my opinion, Pittsburgh's defense was better than it has been in years past. So I really don't know what to tell you what happened. It's it's kind of mind-boggling to me. Well, I think the only thing that we can point to has to be those actual locker room issues. I can't, I can't think, I can't say that Le'Veon's the one who started this, but I also think that, uh, you know, there's been this trend in the Steelers organization over the years where, you know, it's supposed to be, uh, especially with Mike Thomas, it's supposed to be player centric and everything, but 
I'm starting to get this vibe that that's not really how it's working out, especially between Mike Tomlin and, you know, with Antonio Brown and um, Ben Roethlisberger getting into it and, uh, you know, Le'Veon not even wanting to come back and having the whole team call him out. I think there's a lot of chemistry, locker room issues that really just depleted the Steelers' spirits and really all their chances this year. They had, Like you said, they had the top, you know, pass, passing yard leader. They had two receivers in the top ten in receiving yards and I believe receptions this season. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster, he was 20 years old now. I mean, this kid just had a breakout year, and they still were only able to be a middling team, missing the playoffs and all. I just see it as more of a culture issue than probably what has to do with any type of talent or any type of skill. I just don't think when you have a cohesive unit between, you know, front office, coach, and players, it's not really going to work. And I think that Steelers front office has kind of thrown a wrench into the plans from uh, the Steelers' point of view on the field. So the next team we're going to talk about in our episode is the Indianapolis Colts, where Sean now resides. I know he probably has quite a bit to say about these guys, but they've been on a tear in the second half of the season. I believe they won seven of their last eight games and pushed themselves into the sixth seed in the AFC I mean, Sean, Andrew Luck came back. He's actually looks fantastic. What's it been like down in Indy for uh, the Colts? Well, you know, when they got off to that one and five start, um, people weren't really expecting much more to come out of that season. At one and five, everyone was expecting it to kind of be the end of the season. But they turned around. I think they won nine of their last ten and got themselves into the wild card game and against Houston. Uh, I think the biggest difference is Andrew Luck has been – protected this year you know they went Indianapolis went from ranked number 32 in sacks allowed last year to number one this year and giving up sacks so they've been able to keep Andrew Luck upright which is what everyone's been saying forever is how you get the most out of them and Indianapolis is protect them and then they've gotten a really good year I think out of Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines and Jordan Wilkins at running back and really done well with a lot basically outside of T.Y. Hilton a lot of no-name wide receivers and on defense, Wait. they've just been able to play defense at a very, very high level for the past 10 weeks. Well, if you talk about their linebacker, Darius Leonard, who I reap the benefits on my fantasy team all season long, uh, rookie, outstanding leader of that defense, led the team in tackles. I mean, this guy has been all over the field. And when, you know, you have a balanced defense, a balanced offense, it usually seems to work out a little bit. But I think that, like you said, that injection of Andrew Luck and not just Andrew Luck, but a healthy and consistent Andrew Luck uh, has definitely jolted the Colts back to where they belong. I mean, I've said for years and years and years that I thought Andy Luck was one of the best quarterbacks to come back into the NFL. I've, I loved him. Uh, he has great fundamentals. He makes good plays. He's a smart guy. And, uh, you know, even if you just watched him over the last couple games, I mean, the guy, he can do it all. He can move. He can run. He can throw. He knows exactly what's going on. So I think the Colts are in a good position. Um, they're going up. Uh, I mean, we, we can mention they did beat Houston in the wild card. They'll be going up against Kansas City. So they're going to have a big test coming up against that number one seed in the AFC. But, I mean, with that defense, they might be able to hold the, the, hold the offense into the game, and Andrew Luck will be able to put points on the board. Now, we got another team that was kind of a surprise just because of how good they did last year and how terrible they did this season. 
They didn't look too bad at the beginning, but they went on, I believe, a six or seven game losing streak in the middle of the season. That's the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, they were in the conference championship game against New England last year, and now they're back down in the dumps. Blake Bortles had a crappy season. Leonard Fournette was out for most of the year, but that defense was still supposed to be as good as it was. What do you think happened down in Jacksonville? Uh, <clears throat> I think it's a mixture of more a couple of things. You know, the defense didn't get as many takeaways as they did last year, and I, that kind of helped them out with their record a lot last year and kind of hid some things from everybody that was watching that team. And there has to be more going on behind the scenes, in my opinion, than what's come out because he's just – a lack of turnovers and Blake Bortles having a bad year shouldn't take a team from the conference championship game. I think they won 11 games, 11 or 12 games last year. I believe it was 11. To a five-win season. There's, there's no way that's a six-win difference right there. So Jacksonville's got to figure out what's going on over there. Well, yeah, I think their problem does actually start with the quarterback position. I mean, Blake Bortles has had his flashes of greatness, but by flashes I mean like drives, quarters, not games, not seasons. He's had plays where you look at him, you go, man, he looks like he could do it, but it's just not – I don't think it's going to get it done for Jacksonville in the long run. So I would say you need to start there because that defense still has quite a few of the same playmakers. Like you said, they just didn't make the same type of plays this season. Now, this is one that I was surprised purely on the amount of success they had. Um, not because they had any success, but the amount. And I don't know how surprised you are, but that's the question I want to ask you, but Cleveland was in the playoff hunt all the way until week 17. I mean, they had obviously that tie in there, which kind of helped them out a little bit. But did you expect this? Is this a big surprise? I mean, Baker Mayfield injected a lot of energy into them. And, I mean, it really was Hugh Jackson, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, getting Hugh Jackson out of town really seemed to really kickstart the entire um the entire team, you know, I think Baker getting put into the starting role also gave them another jolt, but it didn't really surprise me. Like you said, it didn't surprise me. They had success. It was the amount of success, you know, throw in that tie there. And that last game of the season, uh, they're playing for a winning record or a losing record, which is something I did not think that Cleveland would be doing. And I think that Baker's just going to be better and better and better. Cause you know, he's going to develop in the NFL. He's going to have his time to shine and, I think once Cleveland makes a couple more good drafts here or there, gets some more free agents to fit what they want to do, I think that they're going to become a more college offense in the NFL than they were this year. More like his, him in Oklahoma because you see what he can do in an offense like that with people around him that also understand that offense. I think that could be the tipping point to send the NFL into this like high-tempo spread offenses. Well, and the big a big catalyst to that will also be who they decide to hire as their head coach. Yes. Um, you know, and that, that's a big deal. And that that's something that I'm sure a lot of people in Cleveland are hoping there's not an organizational failure there because I'm sure they see a light, you know, right now. They, they actually see a light, which hasn't happened in a long time. But um, I think they can make a pretty easily, you know, damning decision if they make the wrong choice at head coach who just keeps them in the same spot as they've been for the last decade. Yeah, they really need to go out and find somebody that's going to be, in my opinion, offensively minded and challenge Baker Mayfield at the same time as trying to get him to reach his full potential. Because I think he could be a top, I don't know if he'll ever be considered a top five quarterback just based off of other things, but 
he could be the guy that's in the conversation for top 10 in the league. And I think that he's going to need a coach that understands offense to help him out with that. Definitely. Now we're going to move on to Seattle. They started off kind of rough, kind of like the Indianapolis Colts. They turned it around and I mean, finished the season 10 and six Russell Wilson once again is the stalwart of that entire team. I think he's he, I don't think he's ever missed a game uh for never missed starting a game. I, he's played every he played every snap for Seattle this season. Um but I mean they just keep on making it happen with him at the helm. Do you think he's just the common denominator that keeps this kind of thing going cuz they don't have very much around him in order to succeed? Yes, uh, yes and no. I think that it is them having Russell Wilson, but I think it's also they got back to personnel-wise and scheme-wise what got them to Super Bowls, which was being a run-first offense. You know, Chris Carson ended the season with three straight 100-yard games. Um, they were the top, they were the top rushing team in the NFL. They really went back to that, which is what has worked for them in the past. And I think having Russell Wilson, you know, not being looked at as to throw the ball 40, 50 times a game. I think that really did help Seattle in the long run for this season. Well, like you mentioned, Chris Carson ended up in the top five in rushing yards for the season, which is something that hasn't happened in Seattle in years. Um, you know, a lot of touchdowns and stuff, but rushing yards, he, he put a lot up for them, and he really did help out that offense. I think Pete Carroll's happy to kind of be back where they are. And even though they don't have that same defense after losing – Literally everybody out of that secondary that was so famous. It's, it's. I thought it was a bit of a surprise to me that they they made it all the way out. But then again, their division was not very strong this year, um, so that kind of helps. But either way, ten and six is nothing to scoff at. Am I right? No, ten and six. You know, they also did challenge the Rams, who beat them to the division both times they played this year. Um, and then, of course, Seattle and Arizona kind of really did not have good years at all. Or oh, you mean San Francisco? San Francisco, yes. Um, so, so it was a two-man race in the division with Seattle and the Rams, and I think both teams are looking pretty good at liking their chances into the playoffs. Of course. Now, we do have a couple other teams to touch on uh, before we squeeze on into our postseason predictions here. Uh, we do want to talk about uh, the Los Angeles Chargers. This is one of the teams that I wanted to bring up because – it seemed like they never had it all together, but somehow they just kept on winning. Keenan Allen wasn't quite where he was to begin the season, and then Melvin Gordon went out in the middle of the season. Phillip Rivers just has been so consistent. He's been, he was even in the MVP talk. He still is in the MVP talk, which is not even out of the question. The guy had a season, but they went all the way up and were challenging for that number one seed in the AFC, but you know, ended up having to grab a, a wild card spot. What, uh, what about this Chargers team is special and is able to kind of keep them flying under the radar into the playoffs? Uh, to me, it's the defense. Um, that's really what's held them together, in my opinion, is like you said, they've, Melvin Ingram has been out here and there. Austin Eckler was out too. There's your top two running backs at one time. You know, Keenan Allen's had a history with injury problems. Other receivers have missed time as well. And, Philip Rivers has been the only one that's really been healthy all year. And he's just been getting it done, but that defense has kept them in games and in situations, even going back to that uh, Pittsburgh game a couple about a month ago. Um, Pittsburgh was came out 
guns blazing and that defense settled in and gave the offense time to also settle in and not let it get too far out of hand and not allow them to have that comeback. So I think the defense and special teams have really been the things that have kept the Chargers um, where they are this year. And I think that's their best way to win in the playoffs is relying on that defense and special teams, getting big returns, getting timely turnovers, making big plays, and having Phillip Rivers just settle into a groove and do his thing. Yeah, and I mean, we do have to eliminate any type of Phillip Rivers mistakes because that's one of the things that can really damn the Chargers because once he turns the ball over, it gets a little dicey. So His numbers in the playoffs have never stood out well, so he's going to have to figure that out this year as well. Exactly. Now, we're going to move into another team further out west than us, and that would be Denver. I mean, they brought Case Keenum in after a stellar year up in Minnesota. I mean, he definitely looked, he looked like a god when he was out there uh, doing some crazy things, but he kind of came back down to earth as he went into Denver. The defense was good, but, you know, they made a lot of moves. They got rid of Demarius Thomas. Um, they got a rookie running back core basically dealing with, but they were just a middling team. Did you think that they were going to be better than this with some of the talent that they had at the beginning of the season? See, Denver was really tricky to me because I I wasn't sure what they were going to be. To me, they were either going to be bad or good. They weren't going to be a middle-of-the-road team like they were this year to me. And that's kind of really confused me with how to evaluate how Denver did this year. Their defense was either the, looked like an amazing defense or looked like a bad defense. You know, there was really no consistency this year with the Denver Broncos. And I think that them getting all those all the rookie reps that they got in at the end of the season. You know, you talk about their two running backs, one and two, no matter how you seed them or put them on the depth chart, were rookies. Um, I think two or three of their top receivers were rookies, Cortland Sutton, yep. Sean Hamilton. Um, I think it's going to be very well. This, this is going to be good for Denver come next season once all these rookies have a little bit of seasoning. Um and I guess we're going to see what Denver does with the draft this year. I think they might be one of those teams that's looking at a quarterback again. And, you know, their history with drafting quarterbacks has not been great. No, it has uh, not. No, so, it has not. So we'll see what happens here with uh, Denver. Yeah, so there's a couple more teams that kind of surprised me. I know we talked about this multiple times throughout the season. Uh, obviously, we have to bring it up. But the Chicago Bears, the Bears – ripping up the NFC North and putting everybody else to shame, especially with that defense. I mean, Khalil Mack, my God, changed that entire team, I think. I mean, it's not like much had changed from the year before, but, you know, they picked up on a couple of other wide receiver options. Mitchell Trubisky, more came into his own, but they even, they spent about a quarter of the season without Mitchell Trubisky, and that defense really just kept them in games and kept them held and tough. I mean, who... Who thought the turnaround was going to be like this for the Bears? Um, no one. And if anybody tells you that they saw it coming, they're lying. Anybody outside of Chicago. Um, I really don't know what <coughs> the Bears did besides make that trade for Khalil Mack. But um, they had a decent draft, and they built on a, their last couple drafts, which they picked up a couple key pieces. But it's, the, the Bears right now are – that one team every year that gets there with defense. Um, we don't know how they're going to do in the playoffs because they got there on the weight of their defense. Um, and that's not to say that their offense has been bad. Their offense has been good. But, but yeah, you can't. I'll been, say, 
Uh, you, you can't short Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen on what they've been able to do on the ground, even without Trubisky there. And you like you like I think you're about to say you can't short Trubisky on what he's been able to do. He had a fuck a couple good games where he tore he flung the football around what five six touchdowns with he had five in the first half that one game. Yeah, I mean yeah. you can't you can't fault their offense by any means no. if you ask me. Well, and that's what I was just about to say is their offense. Um, I think it's overlooked a little bit of how great that defense has been this year. People want to just consider the Bears the ball control offense. You know, Trubisky's kind of a game manager. And I don't really see that as being true. I think that the Bears are – their defense is better than their offense, but their offense isn't bad, if that makes sense. Um, that's what I got on the Bears, yeah. Well, I mean, that means their offense is probably pretty good because their defense is great. Uh, yeah. If it's not as true. good as their defense, but it's not bad, that probably means their offense is good, uh, which I would definitely agree on. Um, I think they had the best offense in the NFC North this year, which is kind of crazy when you look at the other three quarterbacks that are – paid mightily to, to compete in that division and with some of the other talent that is sitting around in the division with Adam Thalen and, um, you know, Jamal Williams and Stefan Diggs and was Golden Tate. But, yeah, think about what the Bears were able to do in such an actually talent-ridden division that they shut everybody down. Yeah, they, they really they got the key takeaway against the Lions on Thanksgiving, the win with Chase Daniel starting a road game. Um, they just had made big plays all year long on that defense, and that offense has been uh, pretty high scoring at times. Like you said, Trubisky's whipped the ball around at times. You know, Cohen has been great out of the backfield. Howard's been running downhill all year. The Bears, I think, are a dangerous team going into the playoffs that need to be taken seriously. Yeah, we got a couple more teams we do want to talk about. Both teams kind of. We thought they were going to do much, much better. Uh, we'll start off with the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, obviously, the injury to Carson Wentz looked like it was going to hurt them. But once again, Nick Foles came in and broke records for the, for the Philadelphia Eagles. But they were just never able to put it together this year. They looked like amateurs at some points in some of their games where they just were getting beat up and down the field. And I don't think that's what we expected out of the defending Super Bowl champs. Uh, we pro- what They should have probably at least won the division, right? In my opinion, they should have won the division. Um, I think they didn't – They're not. it wasn't like Super Bowl teams of past where you've had a max exodus of players to free agent contracts after you win a Super Bowl or win a championship. They brought a lot back. Um, they didn't bring everything back, but they brought a lot back. And they got Carson Wentz back after, I think, I think at week two, week three. And Nick Foles won them that opening game against Atlanta, I remember. So I don't really know what happened with Philadelphia. That defense um, – a lot can be said about the injuries they had in the secondary. I think at one time their top five or top six secondary players were all out with injuries. Um, so that's going to hurt. But at the same time, it's the NFL. you got to get guys in there that know what they're doing and play, and injuries happen everywhere. So I'm really – I don't know. Philadelphia just kind of was confused when they expected more and got less. Well, yeah, and the other thing about Philly is I don't think they're ever going to be able to do anything if they have a run game like they did this season, that was absolutely abysmal. I, I don't even, I honestly don't know if anybody in their backfield even eclipsed 300 yards, which is ridiculous. But they tried to get everybody into the game. It just did not work out. They never found a playmaker. So I'm sure they'll be trying to shore up that position come the offseason. I think that they're, I think what they have to do is they have to pick who they want and cut down the number of backs. Because off the top of my head, I know he was been hurt pretty much all year, but they got Jay Ajayi. 
uh, Corey Clement, Wendell Smallwood, Darren, Darren Sproles. I think that's it. Um, so there's four. You got a, a four deep in the backfield. Most teams are working with one or two. Um, I think they need to decide who they want and move on from the others and start trying to look for some consistency in that backfield to really get the most out of that position. They're kind of like you mentioned, you know, I know you said that most teams only run with one or two. Well, a lot of teams have three running backs, but the third guy doesn't see time unless one or two is hurt or can't, can't go. Yeah. In Philly, all four guys are suited up active and getting snaps every single game. Because you don't see that a lot. Yeah, which is, which is just ridiculous. So they, they definitely have to figure that out. And I'm, I'm sure everybody in Philly would agree that's what they probably need to really pinpoint in the offseason. Now, the last team that we're going to bring up before we give you our predictions is the Carolina Panthers. Man, Christian McCaffrey was looking fantastic. Cam Newton had some really, really good games and was, you know, up there rushing the ball, looking like his old self for the first about six or seven games. And then they kind of just imploded. I don't know how they lost so many games so quickly, it seemed like. That trip to Pittsburgh, that 52-17 to 17 loss, I think that was the score. Um, that really messed up this team because after that game, they were never the same. Um, they did not do well in that game at all. Um, I think McCaffrey had their two touchdowns receiving. Let me just take a little side note here. Say Christian McCaffrey is going to be in the MVP talk, in my opinion, over the next two years. If he can keep building on this season that he just had, holy moly, he's going to be – If he, he might be looking like he was at Stanford if he can keep building on it that, that dominant. But side note done, um, Carolina's got to work on defense and they got to figure out what they got in Cam Newton. If they want to – I think it might be time to start looking at a replacement for Cam Newton. Um, really? Just to shake it up. I mean, Carolina, they went there – they played in that Super Bowl, and they haven't really done anything since. Um, at some point, you've got to start looking at it and being, okay, what do we have to do differently? And I honestly don't know because you've got a decent offensive line. You've got a good running back. You can get it with other, a, couple, a couple of receivers, but I don't think that that's going to make that much of a difference. So we'll see. What this, we'll see. Um, Carolina, I think, in my opinion, is a team that's going to have to go into this offseason looking for – upgrade to other positions outside of quarterback, obviously to start. But I wouldn't be surprised if they drafted a quarterback in the third, fourth, fifth round area. Just kind of got him in there just to see what they got with him. Um, we'll see. I don't know. I'm not really sold on Cam Newton right now as much as I was at the beginning of the season. So that's going to do it for our of the NFL. There are plenty of other teams that we could have talked about, including the the Lions, but we don't want to waste our time. We're yeah. happy. I mean, I'm happy that they fired Jim Bob Cooter, but we'll uh, we'll talk more about that, I'm sure, through the off season. And we got plenty of podcasts to get on there. We'll probably have a Lions one over the summer that we'll have plenty of talk about. But um, they finished the season terribly. One when they didn't have to. Um, other teams such as Oakland. My God, what an implosion! Like we talked about, Arizona doing terrible. Got that number one pick. Uh, probably going to try and get some pieces, more pieces around Josh Rosen. Um, but been a good NFL season. And I do have to mention, um, of course, I did have a lot of fantasy football leagues, but I did win the big boy, the the $100 buy-in pot. So it was a good fantasy football season for me. Uh, I know Sean was a little disappointed with some of his, but uh, 
I, I lost in the semifinals in four leagues. I was more than disappointed. I was I was upset. Yeah, a little upset, but I, I ended up coming out there and uh, winning the big old pot. So fantasy treated me pretty decently this season. I'm happy to say that. So just in case you need to know for next season, just just listen to this guy over here. He's a he's a big winner. So oh, Jesus, <laughs> we're gonna go into our picks for the playoffs. We're not gonna go round by round or anything like that, but. I just want to ask Sean, and then I'll give you mine. Just who's your picks from the NFC, the AFC, and who's going to win the Super Bowl this year? If I had to pick right now, I'm going to go with Chargers versus New Orleans and with New Orleans taking the Super Bowl. Of course, we uh, did not talk about this prior to the episode because this was an edited, but I am also going to put New Orleans in their NFC. But I think I'm just going to take the pick that – uh, is safest to me that I know they're going to perform right now. And I think I'm going to put the Patriots oh, in there Lord. Uh, into the Super Bowl. I mean, I don't see Kansas City, um, their defense, keeping them in in the playoffs. We know that you need defense in the playoffs. That's that's the name of the game. Anybody can score points. You need defense in the playoffs. Um, I don't think Kansas City is going to be able to keep that up. I know you talked about the Chargers, but something about the Patriots just always seems to work out at this time. And I don't see Tom Brady losing until he gets back to the Super Bowl and this the Saints team, they look like they have the same type of thing as they did in 2006. Obviously, Drew Brees is much, much older now, but, you know, it seems a little magical. They've had, they've had great offense, such a better defense than anybody ever gave them credit for, especially at the beginning of the season. So, yeah, the New Orleans Saints are actually my pick to win the Super Bowl as well. I wish we could be a little bit more diverse for you guys, but uh, hopefully we're right. We've done pretty well uh, so far, but, uh, yeah. Uh, it's been a great football season. I know we'll be back up here for – or back on here talking about football after the Super Bowl. I'm sure we'll do a little recap and have some fun because everybody's going to be watching that game. Yeah, but, we're going to – another note, um, we're going to try and get in some college basketball coming up here soon too as well. And before long, um, be on the lookout for our Twitter at Just Saying Sport. Um, we're going to be – I'm going to be tweeting out some little – tidbits from the first mock draft that I've gotten done for the top 20 in the NFL, just to try and keep everybody up to date with what we're thinking over here. And um, be sure to tweet at us if you have anything that you want us to talk about at all. Just say in sport, um, we'll try and fit it into the show. No matter how we just, we're looking for suggestions. People we are looking for people to get involved. Yeah. We're trying to make sure that we do this on a weekly basis. That means we got 50, at least 52 episodes coming up for you guys in 2019 and we are never um you know opposed to getting input from our listeners and everybody who would like to you know what you guys want to hear on this show so please let us know um as always make sure you follow me on twitter at jake atnip follow sean at dwyer se3 on twitter and make sure you keep up to date with us we will uh keep posting on every social media platform we can facebook twitter um, all that good stuff. And remember, the podcast is available literally anywhere you can find one. Just search Just Say in Sports, and you should be able to find us. If not, I don't know what you're doing with your life. So <laughs> we, we, are, we are very excited about a new year and really the first full year that we will have with this podcast. So we hope that you'll stick around with us and, uh, you know, keep us going. Uh, keep us lively because we love – talking about it and we hope you love listening so without further ado my name is jake atnip i'm sean dwyer we will see you next week for another episode of just saying sports